Well, good morning, good day, good evening. It is officially Wednesday. It is May 4th, 2022, and I do believe I'm going to make the leap and call this Jill's Journals Out Loud and let go of Wired for Danger as the heading for all of this. Uh, I think I'm just going to do that because it gives more consistency and congruency to everything, and it gives me more latitude in terms of what I want to do. But the topics are going to still be very, very similar. Now, I do not have a cold, but I am uh, got some kind of sinusy thing going, so I sound like I have a cold. Plus, I haven't talked this morning. So you're getting this uh, bright and early, hopefully to come out to you very shortly. Uh, we got the dog doing some eating, licking the bowl, because there wasn't enough food in it this morning for him. So we've got that. Please let there be another morsel in the metal bowl. Uh, that he's now furiously scanning, looking for anything else he can eat. Uh, And I also just want to do a heartfelt, deep appreciation shout out to those of you who, uh, a few people who uh, put in some financial support. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you uh, donated at jillsjournals.com, I will be upgrading your uh, status on Substack here to a paid subscription. Or uh, if you signed up for free, I will be upgrading. Uh, For those of you who donated, I will be upgrading. But I do have some new subscribers, and I have one new paid subscriber, which makes me super happy because I really want this to be home. And so for all of you who are uh, making the leap off of YouTube and coming over here, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, It is... I love videos, but uh, it's just a lot of work. Uh, I just, am, with so many limitations, uh, it's just very difficult for me to do uh, enough videos to really have a productive channel. But more importantly, uh, I just believe in the power of audio more than anything. You know, the written word is difficult, I think, online, uh, although I love reading a real book. But the power of the audio is it doesn't put you in a trance. You cannot be easily manipulated when you're listening to the audio format uh, and you have it to re-listen to. But it does something for me, and this isn't everybody. For me, it occupies that part of my brain that needs to be occupied. So I'm learning, I'm engaging, but it also allows me to then participate in the boring thing. So those of you who have the hunter brain you might find this a good thing to listen to while you're doing those super fabulous tasks like folding laundry, doing dishes. (laughs) Uh, I tend to, if it's something that's valuable to me, I tend to listen while I'm writing in the journal because then I can stop, write things down, pause, uh, turn it off, regroup if if there's something that I want to delve into a little bit deeper. So I need to sneeze and I don't have a way to edit it out. Ugh, the never-ending nightmare that is my system. Uh, The second little piece of housekeeping before we launch into the full scale, uh, what we're going to talk about this morning, is uh, I am slowly having little pieces come together here. And so for the next couple weeks, it's probably going to be a little ragtag, but uh, I am slowly getting things organized where I have an actual office space that functions. Uh, so far here, I've been doing a lot of bouncing around, but uh, so there's a lot of changes in the physical environment about where I can go, where I can plug in, where I can access that impacts uh, my ability to, I think, deliver the kind of content I would like to deliver. But 
I feel like some of those pieces are finally coming together. So we'll see. Uh, but I just wanted to say I appreciate your patience as I get slowly more organized. Uh, but the reality of that is that it kind of leads into what I want to talk to you about. And, you know, for me, I've been on hold for the last three plus years. Uh, not sure, you know, what I can do, what's going to go on out in the world, where I'm going to live. Uh, all those things. Now, I've spent most of my life on hold trying to kind of figure things out. The dog is very busy <laughs> drinking, licking, chewing the bone, banging the bowl around. Sorry. Uh, but at least, you know, there's some life in this little steel box. Uh, so it's been very difficult. And so the world is never going to get more stable. But I am, for the first time in so long, not having to put all my uh, tension, stress, and energy into where am I going to live? You know, do I need to be ready to move? Uh, all these things that have occupied a lot of my personal energy. And I am feeling for the first time, and boy, he is dedicated to having more food be in that bowl this morning. Um, it's really nice to have these tiny, tiny steps of. Uh, I don't want to see reclaiming, but little tiny pieces of comfort, little tiny pieces of uh, completion, things that I can kind of let go of. Now, I, you know, I don't, I know I can't stay here forever. So it's not like, oh, you know, I'm home and I can just have every comfort and life is normal. But for those of you who know, who have been in uh, very uncertain times, every little piece of comfort that comes back ever so slowly there's just a relief in that. And I think that's important as we face so much uncertainty. Sometimes I feel like, you know, a lot of these things happen to me ahead of the curve so that maybe I can be helpful during the process. Uh, but I think, you know, if you've reached this age, most of us are in the older post 50 world here, you've already had a lot of ups and downs. And so none of this is new. I just think the the intensity of it is a little exhausting and the background of so much uncertainty. It's not just uncertainty about your personal life. It's not just a personal struggle. There's so many other things going on out in the world. And so it's very difficult to know where to put your time, money, and energy. And one of the reasons I'm choosing to focus on focus and energy as a component or a formula for containment is that there are so many things out of our control that the one thing that we all can still hold on to is how we think and then a little bit of how we feel. And it's hard to do that when maybe you're, nobody thinks the way you think or maybe nobody agrees with what you believe or uh, maybe you feel isolated and uh, you know it's hard to really ch it's challenging you know how to feel in all of this uh, and so I wanted to talk a little bit this month about the topics of health and healing not exclusively but my goal is to have a generalized topic for the month uh, and this month, I want to talk about health and healing. I think next month, June, I want to talk about safety and security, just as kind of overriding background themes. Uh, and the reason for that is personal. You know, for me, I believe we've got probably six months or less with any semblance of 
normalcy, uh, access maybe to some food and some services, but more importantly uh, is that I feel like if I don't get some foundation underneath me that's semi-stable, I'm going to lose my mind. I have been on hold for so long, and just being inside this trailer, I've had chaos inside this trailer where it's pretty much all I can do to just not go crazy, trying to be patient, trying to wait. And when I was thinking about these ideas of health and healing, I think they're two separate things. I think there's two ways I want to go at talking about this. The first is the practical, and that's kind of what to me health is. It's practical. It's, you know, in my perfect world, right, pizza and ice cream would be dominant. I love them, but I have also feel like I've had my last ones because uh, I don't see a future where pizza and ice cream are going to be uh, the occasional treats that I would like them to be, which they have been in the past. I tend to only eat ice cream in the summer and only when I'm desperate for something that's just semi-normal because I haven't had, for two years now, I haven't had anything cold much in the summertime except for the, the day I brought home a bag of ice. You know, that was my big thrill was to get one drink a day that was cool. And, you know, I think for most people, it's hard to imagine life without a refrigerator or freezer. And I hope you never have to because it's really hard. Uh, It makes your food choices extremely difficult because in summer, everything goes bad so fast. In winter, it's not much of a deal because, you know, I've got that steel box as like a full-time freezer refrigerator back there. But summer is very, very difficult. And last summer kicked my butt in terms of being able to eat in a way that was healthy. And this year I have access to a freezer. So we'll see how it goes. But I wanted to say that because I think that there is a misunderstanding for so many of us that really being healthy, having a healthy lifestyle is a luxury. Uh, I don't think we think about it that way. I think we sort of think about it as an entitlement, not from the choices that we make, but what the world outside, the systems we have are supposed to do for us, right? We're supposed to have any kind of food we want. Uh, You know, I always laugh when people come up with these health regimes that are just wildly complex uh, and depend on food sources, you know, scavenged from the corner of the wood, right? Some Amazonian herb or some, we have the Tibetan, uh, you know, salt or I guess Himalayan salt and uh, all these things that are just a luxury. They're a product of this point in time. Uh, I'm reading... uh, a book by James Mishner about Texas and you know I like James Mishner it's historical fiction he goes into a tremendous details uh, but he puts it together with people so it makes it a little bit more uh, readable and uh, at one point you know the settlers from Tennessee were coming into uh, a part of Texas which I really am not sure where it is because he's using the old names and I didn't know where they were. And uh, But he talks about how when they first got there, the only food they had was pecans, honey, and meat. Uh, the, the, the woman character had carried her corn with her in, you know, with great care in her pocket pouch. And she was, you know, 
vigilant in protecting it for the months that it took to journey, you know, from Tennessee to Texas. And she planted it with great reverence. And then a flood came and wiped it all out. And so it was a long time before they had a way to expand their diet. And how uh, there's a point where uh, a guy brings in some real flour because he and he asked her, can you make some bread? Because I haven't tasted bread in so long. And, you know, this three pounds of flour is so precious, but that's about how much it takes to make a regular loaf. And so she proceeds to make a loaf with the, all of the flour. And he's and he's like, no. And he, he shows her how to make flour out of acorn, which is very laborious, but it extends the flour and still made a bread that was fairly decent. So all of our choices now in terms of how we eat, how we live, how we control the temperature, how we access health care, these are all very practical choices that we can and can't make regarding our health. Uh, and it's a luxury. We are a luxury. Uh, you know, those of you who listened to the, uh, when I talked about the Tierra de Zaquetas, I can't remember the actual name, but the dog sanctuary in uh, Costa Rica, part of the, the Netflix documentary included, uh, you know, the boys who took care of the dogs. And two of those boys are from Nicaragua. And they both have some kind of weird seizure disorder. But one of the boys, the younger one, uh, just went down and he wasn't recovering and so they took him to the hospital whatever that was uh, for two weeks and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with him and he was still seizing and he came home and uh, you know and all of his friends are desperately you know accommodating him you know anytime he falls you know they're all carrying him and fanning him and you know the older boy would have the seizure same thing they would pick him up they would fan him and then he would be able to recover, but the younger boy didn't ever recover, and so he had to go back from Costa Rica to Nicaragua. But, you know, we just take it as a... I remember thinking, like, why can't they figure out what's going on with him? Like, they should be able to do an MRI, right, and uh, some EEGs and figure out what's going on with him neurologically. And, you know, I don't think they ever figured out what's wrong with him. Not because it's unfigureoutable, right? It's because the healthcare system is a luxury, and uh, it's one of those things, I think, that is being systematically torn apart. And there may not be a future where we have access to the traditions of our healthcare system the way that we're used to. Uh, you know, most of the medication comes from China. China has uh, stopped shipping pretty much anything at this point. Uh, you know, I think the statistics are like 80% of people over 50 are on some kind of medication, and a big chunk of those are on five or more medications. So when we talk about health, I'm, I'm really talking about it at a practical level, and, you know, what we eat, how we move, what kind of things we can do that we understand can contribute there's a lot of movement in the trail. Now that I need it to be silent, there's all kinds of things happening. Uh, you know, we think about it, you know, in terms of practical, the things that we can semi-control and the things we can't control. And, you know, last summer I didn't have a choice. I just had to wait until it cooled down enough where I could get some decent food. And in that process, you know, I declined. And there wasn't really much I could do about it. And how health 
it's something that should just be so natural for us. That's what my human, my primal human training program was about because everything we need to be healthy exists free of charge except pretty much in Western civilization where we have uh, made it illegal. We can't, you know, with the or we've destroyed it. You know, we've put toxicity into the water and the soil and the air and the food uh, and the medications. And so health should be something incredibly simple and uh, accessible and easy to do, but it's almost impossible in today's world. And now we're, we're facing a situation where the future may not even allow us to be able to access basic foods. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite health stories is from the Blue Zone book, and it was a guy in Florida who, uh, I think he was 60-something, and he was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. And he knew he was going to die, and he said, you know, uh, I don't want to die in the hospital on chemo. I want to go back home. And his home was, I think it was Sardinia. There's, uh, I don't think it was, there's two, there's an island off of Greece and an island off of Italy. And I, they both have the same uh, process, but I couldn't, I can't remember which one it was. But anyways, he went home uh, to die. But he wanted to be with his people, his ancestors. He wanted to live in the old way. And so he sort of sat around and waited to die. And the first year he didn't die. And so the second year he says, well, you know, I guess I'll go ahead and plant a garden. And then uh, he didn't die again. So he's like, well, I guess I'll get some sheep and some chickens. And then he didn't die again. Five years later he's like, well, I guess I'll go ahead and plant some grapes. Because, you know, wine was a big, uh, you know, it's an olive wine area. Uh, And 30 years later... There he was. And he didn't do anything fancy. He didn't get any medical treatment. He wasn't on any supplements. But he was living very closely to what I keep talking about is our basic human design. He was eating food that was grown locally. He had a strong social culture. Uh, It's a very mountainous area. So there's a lot of walking up and down hills. You know, even in the short distances in your yard, you know, there's stairs and hills. Uh, and there's sun, and there is a level of being stress-free, uh, and there's a interaction with interaction with the natural world, and I'm sure there was a lot of deep breathing, uh, and I'm sure he slept very well, and those things healed him of his cancer. There was nothing that was done, as we describe health. There was no special diet. He ate bread. He ate, drank wine. He had uh, sweet treats, even though they don't have a lot of those there. But but mostly, you know, his diet was vegetables and uh, meats and uh, fruits and things that were uh, of, you know, his local community. So health to me is something that's very practical uh, and that our body is naturally designed to be healthy. But how we access those things is very difficult. And right now, uh, like I was and am, you know, the, the transition but what, from what we can get and what we need is uh, a little up in the air. And so I want to take this opportunity. And the reason, you know, I was mentioning the dog was this morning uh, I made what was I'm calling my last food run last Friday. And, uh, you know, it was the last of the little bit of money I had extra to buy food. And I was able to buy uh, enough meat to last us a while. 
maybe we'll see how it goes uh, because I have the freezer where before you know I could only uh, buy enough meat for a week if I went and bought ice you know every other day well ice here is twenty dollars you know for me to go buy a bag of ice so that clearly is wildly inefficient that you know if I had to go to the closest little store uh, it would be a $20 drive to buy a $2 bag of ice, right? So that is obviously not going to work. And so I am blessed with access to a freezer this year. But, you know, and I divided the food up so that I could pull out a bag and prepare it for us. And, you know, we share the meat. And I had made some chicken. And uh, as I was checking the bag out this morning, I had to make the decision, how much do I give him and how much do I give me? Because everything is frozen. So this is all the meat we have for the day. And, you know, for his size, he needs a pound of meat a day in order to maintain basic health. And um, there's a really interesting uh, study on dogs called Keto Pet, K-E-T-O, P-E-T, I think it's .org, uh, but it's a, I think I've talked about it before, but it's a, a doctors who decided to experiment with dogs going keto and cancer, and they had, uh, of the 14 dogs that they took that were all stage 4 cancer and extremely, you know, huge tumors, things like that, 12 of them improved on this keto diet because dogs are really supposed to just eat meat, raw meat, that is, uh, and a good chunk of that should be organ meat, and, uh, you know, they need some supplementation in our world today in terms of, you know, certain vitamins and minerals, but uh, all these dogs just became healthy and alive, and a lot of people, you know, do do the raw food diet, and I would love to do that for my dog, but I can't do it. It's just too difficult, and as we are moving into a place where it's going to be more and more difficult to get meat, either affording or accessing, uh, you know, we're going to have to make some hard choices. But with him, you know, I'm trying to give him as much as I can, but also knowing, you know, I need some too. So, you know, we're entering that phase where we're going to have to make some decisions regarding health and how we can best work with what we have uh, in order to achieve a certain degree of health. And so the reason I'm focusing on it this month in this long-winded conversation about this is that we're, our window is shrinking when we actually have access to, to enough of the things where hopefully we can, we can increase our level of health now to the best of our ability so that uh, in the future, if we do have deficits, you know, I think there will be a period of time where if people make it, you know, we'll actually be healthier because we'll go back to living like we did, like they did on the island, where we're growing our own food, we're producing our own livestock, uh, we're in a community, and then I think our health will become wildly improved. But in the meantime, I think there'll be this window. And so whatever I can do now, I want to focus my time and energy now uh, to increase my health as much as I can because I have some huge deficits in my own health and and that really is my energy and uh, and that to me is really what health and healing are all about is how do I feel right because when you feel like crap whether it's physically because you're hungry or because you're eating too many uh, donuts pizza and ice cream or whatever you know 
whatever it is you're doing that's making your body feel bad, it's very, very difficult to focus and it's very, very difficult to have energy. And so there's the practical and then there's the other side, what I'm going to call the projected. And so I wanted to define healing and health as separate things because like I said, health to me is what's practical, what we can get access to, the basics that we know the human body needs. Healing, I think, is more of an emotional, mental, spiritual process. And it's something that you feel. It's not a thing that you do. It's something that you feel. It's that moment where something relaxes or softens or recovers. Uh, You know, one of the things that therapy can be used for if you have a good therapist is healing. Uh, Healing the past, healing memories, (coughs) healing uh, our emotions, uh, and healing grief. You know, all those things that contribute to our health but cannot be fixed or solved with food, water, or exercise, right? Uh, And there's an interesting crossover, and I'm actually going to post this interview if you're interested in the content or the book, uh, about all the things that we describe maybe under the heading of healing, like anxiety or depression, that a lot of times have a physical source. Uh, You know, when you don't eat any protein and all you eat is... Uh, you know, maybe carbohydrates, you might have a lot of anxiety because you're not getting the fat and the protein that calm your body down and your body can't rebuild its resources. So there's muddy waters on these things, but that's why I'm trying to kind of separate them out is that, but healing is more of a mental, emotional, spiritual process. And, uh, and that's one of the things, you know, I really want to do when I talk about focus and energy is not just the practical stuff, but the process stuff because I don't know anybody that's not looking around at what's happening and feeling a lot of emotional energy about uh, you know the stress about the future and the uncertainty and the grief about the losses of what's really happening and the anger and the uh, about the injustices and the frustration with the insanity and all that is emotional energy and all of that impacts our body uh, and you know in a in the time before right we're in this transition in the time before a lot of this stuff was just at a personal level you know unless you were super activist you know most people we just didn't pay attention I did, but most people just don't pay attention to, you know, war and hunger and disease and conflict and all these things that are happening around the world. They've always happened, you know, in throughout history. That's it's really interesting, you know, reading the history of Texas because the horrific nature of, uh, you know, what's going on with the the Mexicans army and the Native Americans, what they would do and what the settlers would do, and it's just on and on with this horrific violence and atrocities and so there's never been you know a period of warm fuzzy where everybody's just fat and happy and everything is perfect but uh, you know we can only deal with our world as it is now and our world has been all luxury right we have more than three things to eat on any given day and even emotionally it's been a luxury because we have this insulated world that we can sift back 
or shift back into, sift through what's out, you know, and shift back within to kind of protect ourselves from things that we don't want to know. You know, when you lived in a tiny community, you pretty much knew, you know, which kids were getting beaten up and which wives were being cheated on and, you know, who had power and who was being manipulative. You might not have been able to do anything about it, but everybody kind of knew what was going on. Now, you know, we live in this uh, oblivious process and we just have assumed, you know, that people with power and control were actually had our best interests in heart. And now, you know, we're waking up to this reality that that didn't even happen a little bit. Uh, And we shouldn't be shocked or surprised because those same things have always gone on, you know, within families. The micro and the macro are always the same. It just plays out differently. But there's just so much of it right now. It's hard to not, you know, let it get to you. And that's really, uh, I think, under the the category of healing and uh, being able to see through all of the chaos and finding little ways to create healing in our own heart and. Uh, you know, when I watched that dog sanctuary thing with all the, you know, God bless them, you know, they're all, they're doing their best, but most of the dogs are just in terrible shape, and there's even more dogs on the street, and, you know, and that just leaps to my mind about all the hungry dogs and animals and cats and horses and cows that are starving or, uh, you know, with the water shortages are going to die of dehydration. It's just going to be an endless, endless thing, and it's overwhelming, And so to be able to find little tiny bits of healing, you know, being able to maybe take care of one little dog or, you know, recognize that even though their sanctuary is not perfect, it's healing to to know that there's people who are dedicated, not for the glory or the money, uh, but to just get up every day like those boys with the seizures Regardless, they just, he's like, I can't, the, the older one's like, I can't go home and visit my brother. I'm here. The dogs need me. Uh, and then his little, his interaction with the one dog that kind of connected for him and started it all, you know, that dog in the TV, on the series or in the show got attacked by some kind of animal. And, you know, when the dog and the boy see each other again, you know, that's healing. That's those moments where, right, you just relax or an old wound uh, is no longer festering and the scab falls off and you can look with a softer heart. You can see a deeper truth. Uh, you no longer need to be right. You need, no longer need to be defensive. Uh, and I was thinking about that, you know, healing really only occurs in a state of vulnerability, right? If you're defensive, if you're angry, if you're militant, if you are uh, righteous, there can be no healing. And so there's really two aspects you know to this idea of health and healing and so there's all the practical stuff that uh, you know I'm never going to be a yogi that doesn't need to drink water or eat food or go to the bathroom right I'm never going to be that evolved (laughs) I am always going to need to eat and drink Uh, I don't want to put my energy into being that involved and uh, God bless the people that can do it but most of us are still going to have to function at a practical level and so you know, that now, to me, the time is, if you're going to pick a time to focus on health, it would be now, because I think it's going to get a lot more complex, uh, and then it's just going to be about not being hungry, and it's going to be about subsistence and survival until, you know, these new systems emerge, and 
but healing you know that's forever it's something we're never done with all those old places in our heart and you know at at the end you do understand you know hopefully that it's really in the healing that our health is restored you know much as the guy who went home you know his healing wasn't just in the food it was in the I'm home it's in the way that I am it's through letting go of the stress and the chaos uh, it's finding a rhythm in this life where you're not fighting and pushing and constantly uh, in conflict. And there's nothing wrong with conflict, but when it's just all day, every day, you know, pretty much like trying to survive in a world with 65,000 regulations. So, you know, how do I live and not break the rules? Well, you can't. You know, the rules are all there to be broken so you can be caught, so money can be made off of you. I mean, it's we're just in such a complex world that healing really lies in simplicity. It lies in uh, the step, the energy steps back. You know, the heart softens, the, uh, the mind relaxes, it stops fighting for what it needs to be right. And so healing to me is more of a decision about how you want to feel Health is a series of choices that often will determine how we feel. But what they both have in common is how we feel. And, you know, I think when we're younger and we just feel good no matter what we do to our bodies, right, we can get away with everything. It's easy to have a lot of judgment about people who were sick or who were had, you know, uh, less than human, you know, perfection, or, you know, even just basic aging as you slow down a little bit. It's easy to sit in judgment of that, but once you are experiencing it, right, once you feel how creaky you are, or you need a little more time to recover, or, you know, certain foods make you feel terrible, or, uh, you know, you can't drink the way you used to drink and get away with it and be able to go to work in the morning, you know, health changes. I think as we get older, whether we want it to or not, it becomes more important because how we feel, whether it's a physical feeling, an emotional feeling, a, a mental feeling, or a spiritual feeling, uh, that really at the end of the day is what drives us. I think one of the hardest things that's been for me about these last couple years, you know, I've always been pretty low energy, but oh my, have I, I've never felt like this you know, for such extended periods of time and being completely helpless to do anything about it because I have to wait. I have to wait until I feel better and I can make different choices. And And that's one of the reasons I get so aggravated when people try to tell me what to do or give me advice. It's because, you know, there's an assumption that you don't know that you're not doing something to make it better. Well, just because you know what to do doesn't mean that you can. And I think, you know, this lifestyle without, you know, access to money and resources and utilities and all the ways we control our life and our environment, you know, it's taught me just because I want to do something, just because I know how to do something, just because something is out there available and accessible, it doesn't mean I can do it. And I'm left with feeling terrible because of, right? Because, uh, you know, I noticed not having anything cold, you know, most of the day. I didn't like that. It made me feel bad. Like, I, you know, most of my uh, living like this, I've had access to a refrigerator. Uh, and not having that just sucked. And it was, I was surprised at how much, uh, 
good feeling I could get from just having something cold to drink and never having anything cold hardly at all sucked and I think about you know a future where there's nothing that's cold <laughs> like I mean in the summertime in winter it's a different story uh, but it was just it was a luxury to have something that was cold and that's something that we just take for granted and uh, but it's a big component of health, right? Health requires uh, the ability to keep produce from going bad. It's something that the third world battles with, you know, all those places that have no electricity. So I wanted to just break out what health and healing were in a different way that you may have thought about it before. I wanted to, uh, you know, throw that out as something that if you want to think about that or explore that for yourself. Uh, and... Uh, like I said, I'm not going to talk about that exclusively this month, but that is going to be the theme for the month because uh, the overriding goal, uh, you know, to me is what can I provide for you that's valuable. And just because we know we quote unquote should do something doesn't mean that we're going to do it. And I think one of the big eye openers for me these last few years have been is it's not a motivation problem. Uh, but sometimes you just can't. And how do you have patience through the process of, of waiting uh, for things to change or acceptance? That's the healing part of things that will never change, right? We will never not get older. You just can't change that. Uh, you can't change what's happening out in the world. That's a healing process. You know, health is, yeah, I can eat better uh, and I can do some other things to improve my health. But healing is in so many ways just acceptance of what's gone past that you can't undo or what's happening that can't be changed you know finding a way to make peace because those disruptive feelings within you do never create you know a state of health and so I really just wanted to break those two things out uh, as a way to sort of focus us uh, and, you know, this idea of focus and energy as containment, you know, I will close with, you know, something, the thing that came to my mind this morning when I was thinking and writing about this was, uh, you know, I like the art of containment. I'm changing a little bit from what I started with, but if we think of our body and our world as our containers, how do we want to feel within those containers? How do we want to feel within our body? How do we want to feel within the world? And that's really what we share, you know, out, out in the world. Because when we feel terrible inside, we don't really have much to share out in the world that's positive, right? I know that's one of the reasons I avoid people. When I feel terrible, I have nothing to offer but, you know, a short temper. And it's just easier for me to protect my energy by being alone a lot because it takes so much out of me to be in the presence of other people. There's no good result from that. I don't get anything from it. I just feel worse and then I feel terrible and so I act, you know, less than lovely some of the time. So uh, as a container you're a body as a container we have a world uh, and so you know focus is really how we're taking all the information and choosing what we want to think about what we want to feel about what we want to do and that really becomes the energy which is the fuel for how we want to feel and how we feel is what we fill up our containers with and that's our body and that's our world and that's really what we're doing here uh, we're not 
you know, we're told if we control everything out around us, then we'll feel better, but I'm sure you've all noticed by now that doesn't work. Maybe you haven't. You can spend, you know, the rest of your life trying to control people, control the environment. I mean, domestication is all about controlling everything so that you don't feel any discomfort. Well, you know, that's awesome, but I do think that's about to change whether you want it to or not. Uh, And the challenge is, is that that's where the healing will come. As long as you're running around controlling everything out and about, we're not really focused on the healing within, and that's the real power. So I hope that finds you uh, with something to think about today, something to journal about maybe tonight or tomorrow. Uh, And with that, my friends, we're just going to do some deep breathing because you can always do that, and that is always good for us. And I will see you, thankfully, next time.